Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of the Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the Weekend Edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. The top story of the week has been unfolding for many days now. It's the latest controversy for President Trump. This all centers around a whistleblower complaint alleging that the president was putting pressure on the Ukrainian president to start an investigation on Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, and his dealings there in Ukraine. The whole fiasco has prompted House Democrats to call for an impeachment inquiry, and things have just been fast moving all week long. So what we're going to do is break this down into three parts. What exactly are the allegations against former President Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden in the Ukraine? Then we'll talk about the transcript of the phone call that was released between President Trump and the Ukrainian president. And finally, we'll talk about the whistleblower complaint that started it all and the testimony from the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire. So what exactly are former Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter accused of doing in the Ukraine? For more on that, we spoke to Ben Treckinger. He's the national political correspondent for Politico. It sort of began in 2014 when Joe Biden, then the vice president, his son Hunter, took a position on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company called Burisma. At the time, the company's owner, as well as the company itself, were facing investigative scrutiny in Ukraine and in the West. And Hunter was brought on sort of in part to help deal with that. And two years later, in 2016, Joe Biden successfully pushed for the removal of Ukraine's prosecutor general. The Obama administration wanted him out. He was considered corrupt by Western leaders. The problem is he had open inquiries into Burisma and its founder at that time, creating an apparent conflict of interest. Fast forward to this summer and Donald Trump in a phone call with Ukraine's new president, Zelensky, repeatedly pressured him to investigate Biden, to reopen investigations relevant to Burisma and Hunter Biden's dealings in the country. At the same time he was doing this, the U.S. was withholding military aid from Ukraine, creating the appearance of improperly using foreign policy to push the president's own political agenda. And now here we are today with the House preparing to open an impeachment inquiry over this entire episode. Now, even a few years ago when this was all getting started, there was no allegations of corruption by Hunter Biden or even the vice president himself, right? There was no allegation that Hunter Biden's position improperly influenced Joe Biden's actions. Ethics experts have said that this is an apparent conflict of interest, though. There's at least the appearance problem here because Joe Biden had so much power in Ukraine and his son took this board position with this company that he had no obvious qualifications for. He hadn't worked before in the energy sector. He didn't speak Ukrainian. The position was quite lucrative. At times, Hunter Biden received up to $50,000 a month for the work, which is to say that right now, this is uh, appearing to be a bigger, more urgent problem for President Trump. There's a much clearer indication that President Trump took improper actions here, but there are still nagging issues for the Bidens in this whole episode. So this whole thing came bubbling up again because of this whistleblower complaint. Early on, we had heard that the president maybe promised something to a foreign leader. And now we're finding out that the president himself confirmed that in his conversations with the Ukrainian president, 
He did talk about Joe Biden and his son, Hunter Biden, but he kind of switched up why he brought them up and why he with indicated to Mick Mulvaney to withhold foreign aid for them, totaling almost $400 million. This was leading up to that conversation. He said he wanted other countries to put up more money, basically, that he, it was unfair that we put up so much money in foreign aid, uh, and he just wanted other countries to come to the fold on that. Right, and I believe at first the president earlier this week acknowledged or seemed to acknowledge that there was some relationship between his pressure to open investigations to the Bidens and his withholding of this aid. He said that he wouldn't want to give military aid to a country that's corrupt, suggesting in the context of this whole affair that he wanted a corruption investigation opened in Joe Biden in Ukraine. Then I believe it was just this morning offering that different explanation that you mentioned for why he was withholding military aid, saying that he wanted other countries to pitch in as well. Meanwhile, he has openly acknowledged bringing up Biden with Zelensky, something that sort of surprising to hear him acknowledge because merely pressuring a foreign leader to investigate your political rival is a scandal in and of itself. And then Trump has fessed up to doing it. How does Rudy Giuliani fit into all this? Because he had gone on a number of talk shows saying, oh, you know, they need to look into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. But the administration seems to be propping him up as the one who was kind of the go between them and and Ukraine. Like he was the one that was asking them about it. That's right. He's been a, a key figure in this whole thing, acting, he says, as the president's lawyer. He met earlier this year in Madrid with an aide to the Ukrainian president where he brought this issue up. He's acknowledged pushing the Ukrainians to investigate Joe Biden, as well as what he alleges is Ukrainian interference in the last election on behalf of Hillary Clinton. At least some of those activities, he said, were authorized or done with knowledge of the State Department. So he seems to be playing this dual role on the one hand, saying he's acting on behalf of the U.S. government or or with their encouragement. On the other hand, saying he's acting as the president's personal attorney. But there's more sort of to be scrutinized about Giuliani's role in this whole thing, certainly. President Trump has said that this is all part of another witch hunt, all this But he has authorized the release of the transcripts of this call with the Ukrainian president. It's going to be very interesting to see what we get out of that. I mean, if the inspector general thought that there was something that he needed to report, I'm sure there's going to be something. Everybody, (laughs) there's going to be pretty nuanced. Everybody's going to be on both sides of this. But there's going to be a lot of stuff to analyze from this transcript. That's right. And. You know, in another environment, releasing the transcript of the call may settle a lot of political questions, put the politics to rest in this environment. I imagine, as you predict, that there will be all sorts of conflicting interpretations of the same document. Ben Schreckinger, national political correspondent at Politico. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And just a day later, after the impeachment inquiry was launched by Democrats, A declassified transcript summary had been released by the White House of this phone call that Trump had with the Ukrainian president. For more on the transcripts themselves, we spoke to Morgan Chalfant. She's a White House reporter at The Hill, and she shares details of what was on that phone call. So the White House released a partial transcript of 
the call today, basically a summary of the call, including some quotes, but it's not a full transcript. It describes the president talking to Zelensky, starting off by congratulating him on his election victory. But then he goes on to bring up Joe Biden, as multiple press reports had previously reported, and basically encouraged the Ukrainian president to contact his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, and also the attorney general of the United States, William Barr, and investigate allegations that he and Giuliani have pushed against Biden. Trump mentions Biden's name three times in the call in Giuliani several times and also offers to put Zelensky in contact with Barr and Giuliani during the phone conversation. A lot of this centers on whether there was a quid pro quo in this. You know, the stories leading up to this were that the president had withheld military aid to the Ukraine in the days leading up to this call. And then, you know, he, he was asking him to look into the Bidens and, and whatnot. Now, in this call, in this memo that was released, the president nor the president from Ukraine specifically say anything about this money, about this aid. But the Ukrainian president does say, hey, we're getting the money ready. We want to buy more javelins from the United States. Thank you for your help with defense. And then the president goes into right after that, I would like you to do us a favor, though. And this kind of sets off this discussion where they do eventually bring up the Bidens and a possible investigation. So this is where the sticky points really are. There was no word for word quid pro quo, but it just seems like with a wink and a nod, everybody knew what each other was talking about. Right. Like you said, no explicit quid pro quo, but definitely is going to continue to raise concerns among Democrats. Many Democrats today were unified in saying that this bolsters their case for impeachment. Obviously, they're looking for more information beyond the call. They're reviewing the redacted version of the whistleblower complaint right now. They'll get the chance to question the direct, uh, acting director of national intelligence tomorrow. So this is certainly going to fuel Democrats as they push forward on this as kind of the center of this impeachment inquiry they've opened up now formally. And I expect it to be a focus for several days. I mean, the pace this news cycle goes, this story has really had quite the sticking point. One of the biggest points of confusion and something that I think needs a lot more exploration is the role that the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, plays in a lot of this. In the call, he's telling the Ukrainian president to get in touch with Rudy Giuliani. Giuliani on various TV appearances has been talking about the Bidens and what happened in the Ukraine. So it really seems like we need to find out more about what his role was in this. What was he doing in calls with aides? The president of Ukraine even said one of my aides spoke to Rudy Giuliani. So I think we need to find out a little bit more about that for context on whether the president was asking a foreign country to interfere in the election. Right. And obviously, we've seen Giuliani talk about this for several weeks now. And on CNN, in an interview last week, acknowledged that he talked to the Ukrainian government about it. Obviously, the Zelensky reference and him saying that he'd like to meet with Giuliani in, in the future has raised continued questions about what Giuliani's involvement has been. And there's been some reporting in The Washington Post, particularly last night, about how Giuliani sort of run the shadow campaign and kept people, officials in the government, out of his effort to probe all of this. So he's certainly a central figure into it. President Trump has defended him and defended his behavior so that he's just looking to get to the bottom of the witch hunt, as Trump refers to the Mueller investigation. So he still has the president's support, but he's certainly a person of interest as Democrats look forward on their investigations. What's the thinking from the president's camp? Because he's being very forthright. He had a press conference 
where, I mean, he's just maintaining, hey, nothing wrong happened. This is a nothing call. He's obviously authorized the release of the whistleblower complaint. He's being very forthright with all this. What's their thinking? What did he say at the press conference? He was rather muted for Trump at the press conference. He did appear tired. He criticized the media and Democrats, basically accusing Democrats of doing this impeachment announcement purposefully at the UN so it would distract from his accomplishments there. He said that the media has been covering this unfairly and, you know, it's common criticism the president has is with the press. So he certainly doubled down on that and basically tried to equate Democrats' behavior towards Ukraine with his own while also defending his own actions, saying that the call was fine. There was no pressure. Of course, he saw Zelensky alongside Trump at a press conference earlier today, so he didn't feel pressured by Trump to pursue the Biden allegations. So I think you're going to continue to see the president kind of toe that line and really defend himself. I do think that Republicans are going to continue to be under pressure to kind of defend him on Capitol Hill. A lot of his allies came out today saying Democrats had gotten over their skis because they hadn't seen the call and there is no explicit quid pro quo really zeroing in on that. You did see some criticize. I mean, Mitt Romney said that it was troubling and you'll, I'm certain to see that you'll see some Republicans come out and raise concerns about this, especially if more damaging information does come out. There is a lot that we don't know yet. We haven't seen a whistleblower complaint. We haven't seen the inspector general's report. So there's a lot of moving pieces here that are under the service. Morgan Chalfant, White House reporter for The Hill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. The last piece of the puzzle for this story was the actual whistleblower complaint that started the whole thing. This complaint is alleging that President Trump is using the power of the office to solicit interference from a foreign government in the election. Furthermore, it alleges a cover-up by the White House to lock down records of the call. For what was in this actual whistleblower complaint, And for a recap of the testimony from the Director of National Intelligence, Joseph McGuire, we spoke to Brett Samuels. He's a White House reporter at The Hill. The White House put out a rough transcript of the president's call with the president of Ukraine. So that sort of started to get the ball rolling here. But then this complaint, which was made public this morning, really kind of solidified, filled in some of the gaps on why there was so much scrutiny around that call. It revealed that after the call, the White House went through the process of essentially putting the contents of the call, putting the transcript of the call into a more secure database than would typically be used for a call with foreign leaders. And the whistleblower wrote that that was because officials were so concerned about the contents that they went through the process of putting it in a more secure server where fewer people had access to it. So essentially, this whistleblower was raising the alarm that they felt it was problematic that White House officials were shielding additional eyes from seeing the contents of this call. And this system, this other system where they were placing this, I mean, this is reserved for national security issues, files related to covert actions. And the other indication was that the White House had done this previously before, other politically sensitive information rather than national security type information. So, yeah, so this is a database where very few people have access to it. You need code word access to get at these files. And this is a White House that has been, from the beginning, extremely concerned about leaks, about people sharing information about the president's calls with foreign leaders that they felt were embarrassing to the president. So reporting indicates that the White House started doing this with, as you mentioned, additional calls besides this Ukraine call. That is concerning to a lot of people, to a lot of lawmakers, to former national security officials who feel that 
that database should only be used for national security concerns and for highly classified information, not to shield the president from potentially embarrassing or damaging information. So that was a big top line takeaway that the White House essentially had a concerted effort to sort of shield the contents of this call from additional eyes. What else did we learn about Rudy Giuliani? Because he seems to be a central figure in a lot of this, doing some uh, maybe some backroom talks with other Ukrainian officials and aides to the president there. We just really don't know what he was doing. So Rudy Giuliani, who is the president's personal lawyer, has really kind of emerged as a central figure in this whole saga. And the whistleblower complaint essentially outlines that the Giuliani was a main player in this and that the president had been bringing him up on the call with the Ukrainian leader, that Rudy Giuliani had been in touch with Ukrainian officials. And some of this was known before through previous reporting that Rudy Giuliani had been out trying to dig up dirt on the Bidens in Ukraine. And he has essentially admitted as such in his various television interviews. But this whistleblower complaint really kind of raises concerns about whether Rudy Giuliani, who is a private citizen, is not a government employee, about the fact that he's essentially working as an envoy for the president and working to advance his interests. So certainly Rudy Giuliani, you know, he's already been under scrutiny for his contacts with Ukraine, and that will only continue and be heightened because of this complaint. One of the other main things and biggest criticisms, really, of this whistleblower complaint is the whistleblower himself says that, quote, I was not a direct witness to most of the events described. And I know the president has hit on that, saying it's secondhand knowledge. He wasn't there for the call. The New York Times is reporting that this whistleblower is a CIA officer who was detailed to work the White House, suggesting that he was an analyst by training. He knew a lot of details about American foreign policy. And this kind of bolsters the whole complaint. Is He's not a nobody. He knows what he's talking about. As you mentioned, President Trump and the White House and the president's Republican allies, they've really kind of seized on that as their big talking point, that this person was not on the call, was not in the room when it happened. So how can it be trusted? How can you call this credible? You know, the White House put out a statement calling it a collection of second and third hand accounts that show nothing improper happened. But the counterside of that I think Democrats will point to is the fact that even though this individual was not on the call and admitted as much, they did in their complaint seem to get the basis of the conversation, the details correct as far as matching up with what right. the transcript showed. So even though they weren't on the call, they still matched the transcript as far as relaying that the president talked about Joe Biden on this call, that he was congratulatory at the beginning before moving on to these kinds of requests. So I think that, and then the fact that it is a CIA analyst, as the New York Times reported, I think there will be, you know, certainly a big fight to come along partisan lines about the credibility of this individual. How did the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, do during his testimony? I, I heard him say a lot, you know, my conversations with the president are privileged, things like that. How did he do? Did we learn anything more from his testimony? So Joseph McGuire had some interesting moments, I thought, with lawmakers this morning. He sort of defended the whistleblower as far as saying that they did the right thing and going through the process to come forward. He called the whistleblower credible, which was something the president himself has not done. He's sort of gone the opposite route in attacking the whistleblower. And as you mentioned, the acting director really tried to skirt questions about his interactions with the president. But he did say that the president had not directly asked him for the identity of the whistleblower. So he revealed that much. But there was a, an interesting exchange where he was asked point blank, you know, have you discussed this complaint with the president? And that is where the acting director 
pushed back and said, I won't discuss my conversation with the president because they're privileged. So I think that raised a lot of eyebrows and and led people to believe that he has discussed this complaint with the president. Brett Samuels, White House reporter for The Hill. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Don't forget to join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this is the Daily Dive Weekend Edition.